Hello, Dan Clarkson Podcast. We know how we used to introduce this back in the early episodes, you know, when we said Dan Clarkson Podcast, like what a kayak principle based in the Himalayas, uh, but back in UK because of COVID. Well, exciting times ahead, exciting times are plentiful. We can now introduce this podcast as seasoned expedition kayaker, once based in the Himalayas. Now back in the UK, going back to the Himalaya. Obviously when flights are allowed and uh, passports are allowed, because UK government seems to be failing on all accounts there. But anyway, we have some exciting trips planned in the Himalaya. Himalaya, as Mr Perlin would say. But this is not a podcast for that. Although I'll probably go off at tangents and talk about it. I've been seeing photographs of the people, my friends paddling in the Himalayas in Ladakh, Lazanska, friends paddling in Nepal, Rishikesh, the guys over in Bhutan, and the fires back in the belly. So if this is something you're keen on and you want to hear about it on a podcast, then message me. If you want to just talk about it in general, you can message me on socials. No cup of coffee or cup of tea today because somebody complained they couldn't concentrate because I'm slurping. Uh, microphone stole my dodgy mic because obviously I'm a lazy old sod and my posh mic, my, uh, <laughs> my podcasting mic, is still in the box since I've moved out. It's in a storage unit and I can't see remember which box it's in. So rather than empty all my boxes out in this storage unit and look for it, I'll just have to wait until I find it. Right. What's this podcast about? This podcast going to be about stories, the oral tradition. Right, if you're under 16... Like, the old tradition doesn't mean what you think it means and get yourself out of Pornhub. Old tradition, storytelling. The stories change through time, don't they? And I was sort of reminded of this yesterday. I went to see a Top Gun Maverick. And uh, the whole film just reminded me of pretty much the dogfight scene in Star Wars New Hope. (laughs) You know, you've got a wise old man that dies. You've got some rebel that shoots a masked black guy out of the sky. You know, you've got a bullseye, a wamprat, you know, which is a metre squared on a mission that is set to fail. Which is pretty much both those films. But we have these oral traditions that intersect our lives. And those that care about storytelling and care about story archetypes will know that there's only a handful of stories in the world. Uh, Courtney Love. Not Courtney Love, you know. That's a Kurt's issue. Courtney Love. Uh, Love and Romance, you know, from Romeo and Juliet to Bridget Jones. We've got the uh, the archetype of the wise old wizard and that, you know, Arthurian legend. The Wise Wizard of Harry Potter, Kenobi. There's, there's plenty more I can knock in there. We've got the orphan child or the lost child who uh, doesn't have a parental figure or disattaches from the parental figure and is guided through some sort of quest by this wise elder. You know, th- those stories go through time as well. And then we have the hero's quest, you know, where there's trial and tribulation and possible failure and then at the end they're victorious 
and the rebel with another rebel as well and these go through all storytelling but why they're talking about storytelling archetypes when this is basically a why what a kayaking podcast it's about the oral tradition really and i've mentioned it before and i'm going to mention it again climbers have a really really good written tradition you can look at a climb and you can pretty much within a couple of visits to bookshops or probably google these days work out who climbed what route when they climbed it and you could probably tell what sort of shoes and trousers they wore and that's really important for climbers i mean the climbers probably spend a lot of time in tents on portal edges with diaries to write so that's probably why they ended up you know documenting their sport and the evolution of their sport so so clearly as kayakers we sort of haven't done that and it's not just a british thing i think it's a global thing we sort of haven't done that in our sport what we have done though is we have a really good oral tradition and i've mentioned this before in podcasts stories that move from generation to generation pass from generation to generation um, orally around campfires in bar talk but the problem we've got with the oral tradition is that stories morph and change through time however much we try and stay as close to the original as possible which is probably explains, you know, why Star Wars The Last Jedi and Force Awakens, which tried to mimic the uh, much earlier Star Wars, is didn't because the stories were too changed or not different enough to be a separate story on them themselves. But again, we're using pop culture references to sort of underline what I'm talking about. We have these oral traditions. And these oral traditions are really important. Now, the things that have happened, I see happening, and I think people of my generation see happening, is that social media uh, videos, and I'm not just saying modern uh, social videos, or film clips, TikToks, etc. I'm talking videos uh, in general. Ah. Uh, giving us instant access to these stories but what we're losing in that instant access is the development of a character arc for the story and it dawned on me this weekend and this weekend was topo fest uh, i've mentioned it before uh, i started a eskimo topolino appreciation society group on facebook because i love that book and uh, please feel free if you Paddle Topo, have Paddle the Topo, wish to Paddle the Topo, or are scared of the Topo of Terror to join the group. It's dead easy to find, just Google it. And uh, Google it, you can't Google it, Facebook it, Facebook it. Uh, and it just happened to fall, it didn't happen to fall at all, I planned it. And uh, it was planned to fall on the AKC's 50th birthday weekend. But it dawned on me during that day, talking to some people at the event uh, with the old tradition, how the stories the old paddlers were telling at that event to the younger paddlers, younger paddlers never heard of. And some of these stories are pretty groundbreaking, you know. Like the first descent of Swallow Falls, you know. Sean and Fred. Now, I know there's a clip kicking about of that 
it's principally an oral story, oral tradition story. Stories of early bitches rodeos before they were filmed. Stories about, you know, paddling over in four in the morning or whatever in black boats to cabin paddles in lightning strikes. Stories that you could never fully appreciate if they were filmed and shown uh, on socials. <coughs> Excuse me. All tradition. These stories matter. We all have them. If you learnt to paddle in a canoe club, there is probably still a story circulating in that club about a character, about a club member that is no longer active in that club. But the stories still hold because they're important to that club. The wider paddle community has these stories, you know. We all have these stories that are important to our culture. The cab bob box chariot races or whatever they were on the D. I mean, I can't even remember them straight myself. But they're important. The Jones Rally. Important stories to tell. But they do change through time. And I know they've changed with time because when I tell my stories, I'll omit pieces of the story to speed a story up. And then when it's told on again by somebody else, I hear it come back to me three or four, you know, three or four storytellers later, the story comes back to me, and other bits of the story have been omitted, and new bits have been added, our stories have been meshed together. I've heard a few stories about myself that are sort of a half-truth based on two or three stories where bits have been omitted and then jostled together. And I quite like that. I quite like that there's a sort of a grain of truth, like a, you know, a grain of sand on the beach. So there's a grain of truth in there. But there's so many other, like, stories attached to that <clears throat> that it sort of becomes part myth. I'm getting, you know, I'm getting quite old. Or some people think I'm quite old, you know. I'm no longer in my 20s. In fact, I'm old enough to have kids in the 20s. Not that I do. And some of my stories now are back to the times I was in my 20s. And further back, they are back to when I was a teenager. 30 odd years ago. And one story I've often told is me going to my first rodeo. Rodeo back in those days uh, was just sort of climbing out of the hot dogging name. Yes, I know. You could never get away with calling it hot dogging now. <sighs> I've mentioned that in podcasts before. Right, it was just crawling out of the hot dogging days. So it would have been early 90s yeah early 90s i just passed my diving test bored mum's car i've mentioned this before but i'm going to go over it again and i turned up at nottingham with my topo uh, lime green <laughs> lime green and purple uh wild water gear Okay, you know, the purple protector, it could have been a black one by then. 
and a set of Schlegel paddles or Puyon paddles, something like that. I was never a confident teenager. I sort of had this facade of confidence, but I was never really a confident teenager. And I turned up at this event and I knew nobody. All the big names were there. Big names in the paddle spot industry at the time. Baker, Perkins, Andy and Bridge. All topo fans, you know. As the saying goes, the elite of the kayak world. All of them Topolino aces. Justin Bunn was there. I think he had a Carbonair Aquatic. There's probably a load of other paddlers, you know. Chris Lowe. Yeah, name springs to mind. Heather Gunn. Yeah, Chris Tardivin would have been there. Jason Brookston would have been there. These people that are names lost to stories, really, now, but were influential in uh, the early days of, of rodeo. And I turned up not knowing anyone. And I was befriended on my first day by a guy with a yellow topo and a nuclear symbol. Sharpie mark append on the deck. The stories that were told around the campfires that night. Just about life in general and how people got to events. Up my world. <clears throat> More so than perhaps any other paddling thing I've been to. Because up until that time I've been sort of bounded by a club ethos. I've been to a lot of sort of low division slalom events and low division polo events, low division diamond for race events and club weekends, you know. But this this road year I was by myself and I was meeting people outside of my frame of reference. And I was befriended by this guy, I remember his name, his name was Matt Tyson. And he sort of took me under his wing. And that was nice, you know. Obviously, he didn't like mother me, but he let me know where to sign in, showed me which features we'd be on, and all that sort of stuff, and hung out in the campsite together. And over the next few years, <clears throat> at freestyle events, not freestyle events, it wasn't called freestyle events, it was at rodeo events and festivals. We'd bump into each other from time and time, and time again. And his, his name had sort of sat there, and this is a shout out to Matt really, his name had sort of sat there in the back of my brain. But <clears throat> I didn't think much of it. It would appear every so often in my, in my lecture tours, uh, the story I've just told, maybe stretched or shortened uh, as I saw fit. But that was sort of a friendship and a camaraderie of, the, of an event. Not about paddling with strangers, because I have my own thoughts on that, but about looking after people. Uh, when they're out of the depth in social situations and getting them to sign in the right places and all that malarkey-parkey. But like I said, I've not really thought about it uh, in great depth, except without that uh, caring gesture, I may not have got, carried on going to these rodeo events and then I wouldn't have met my friends that I've had lifelong friendships with, Magic Tom, Shrimpy Pies, etc., and then gone on big expeditions because of it. Because in those days, rodeo paddlers were also, with the paddlers, it was the same boat, let's be honest. 
where the paddles and river paddles were identical. And I know that's changed a lot now. Freestyle paddles is a unique breed. And I'm excited to see the world over in Nottingham. To see the wiki tiki taco flips and all that. It's not just about getting a beating in a hole. I have to get out of the hole when you get a, stuck in it, which is pretty much what the videos were. Uh, good training for uh, running class five, in my mind. Anyway, when I started the uh, Topolino Appreciation Group, there was a, a fella, a fella on there, uh, posting pictures of his topos and his younger days, and it sort of uh, flicked a switch in my brain, and it was Matt Tyson. So I thanked him very much for you know looking after me all those years ago. A gesture that he was probably unaware of and how influential it was. But I wanted to do this podcast just to say that it was pretty awesome. But he turned up, him and Brian and a couple of other guys turned up at the Topo Fest last weekend. And we talked the oral tradition. We talked about the stuff of 30 years ago, before socials. We talked about all this. We talked non-Topo paddlers. Boo hiss. Yeah, talked non-Topo paddlers. We had paddlers who have learned to paddle in flat holes and edges and outfitting, getting topos, and paddle the terrain. We had paddlers around the country. We had paddlers in the States, paddlers up in Scotland, around the country, that is, Scotland is a country, uh, around Europe, paddling topos. And whilst it was a topo fest, it also was a celebration of an oral tradition. Because we told stories of how this little boat had taken paddlers from their class three club days to class five ditch paddlers. We told stories about it was a boat you could get on a plane and take to Nepal. We told stories about how this boat has allowed us to meet other friends at events. We told stories about if you turned up at a friend's house and you didn't have your topo, you could use theirs because the boat was the same. The outfitting was the same. The seat wasn't moved. You know, nothing changed. The oral tradition, no stories. Of which we we lose, and I'm going into it again, we, we lose in modern times. I'd love to hear stories that listeners have. R- write them down in comments. That'd be it. Just a synopsis. So if you've got stories that you want to share with the world, bang them in the comments section, either on the Podbean app or on the socials. If you've got stories that you've sort of heard about myself, like I alluded to earlier, that you're not quite sure if they're true or not, uh, and you want to PM me, I'll tell you the answers. But if you want the world to know, then put them in the comments. Because some of these stories aren't true and some are true, and that's still fine, all traditions fine. I'm going to keep telling stories. I'm going to keep doing podcasts. I'm going to keep doing lecture tours. I'm going to keep talking old traditions. You know, I'm going to keep watching people do wave moves in topos and pop-outs with a smile on their face, asking for validation. I'm going to ask that. I'm, I'm going to, you know, keep spying them. Validate me. Because we all need validation now, and then we can say it tongue-in-cheek. You know? It's amazing to be on the water. My gear's been wet for days. I mean, I've got more than one set of gear, obviously. 
But I went out in my Topo Duo recently and found a little seal sunbathing on the river air of all places. Three kingfishers and a seal. That was a day. Chris Packham would love that, wouldn't he? Yeah, spring watch. Might get him in the front of my boat. Packham, if you're listening, get in my topo, mate. We'll go looking at kingfishers. But it was beautiful. You know, you, you don't always have to paddle on alley white water. People have been sending through photographs of old club boats, boats that I learned paddling, you know, 30 plus years ago, and how these have been used by junior paddlers in clubs. And that's a great thing. Because whilst, you know, you might not appreciate the boat, and you might not appreciate what who's paddled that boat before you, you're getting out on the water, but you're getting out on that water in a piece of history. And it might not matter to you, but it matters to the people that understand that boat and where it's come from. And that's cool. And I'm going to forget that, you know, like, I don't think in 20 years' time we're going to end up with a piece of plastic, 600 quid plastic as it is now, having a fan club. I can't see that. Boats change and evolve so much at the moment. But certain boats don't, do they? Certain boats we've had around in our lives for 40 plus years. And they're still going strong and they're still making a smile. I hope anybody that's been out in Europe paddling has enjoyed themselves. I know the water's been pretty low for some of you. But it's fine and it's great. Right, no cup of coffee today, as I said at the start, so I'm going to go get one. Bang some stuff in the comments if you want. If you don't, that's also okay. Right, that's it. Have a cracking, cracking week. I'll do another one of these podcasts when I can be bothered. As you know, there's no structure to any of these, no product placement. Although, you know, if Eskimo want to start knocking topos out again, I'll have another one off you. And uh, especially if HF want to start banging out the HF Classic again, I'll have one of them as well, because I like that PFD. It's one of my faves. Right, I love you all. Love you all. Thank you so much for listening, gang. And I'll speak to you all very soon.